Yeah, back in the radio studio. Oh, you cannot believe the We Tackle Life podcast is back, right? It's been a long time. It's been since January the 7th, I believe, since I did a We Tackle Life podcast. And I've been gratified to see that a lot of people have said, hey, where's the podcast? Appreciate it. Sorry for the delay. What happened was I got sick. I don't know if it was a cold. I don't know if it was Omicron. But I know this. I've had this before because I ended up with the vestiges of the malady manifesting itself in a problematic issue for anyone who is a talk show host or a podcaster. Every time I talked, I coughed. When I didn't talk, I didn't cough. But every time I talked, I coughed. And that's an issue when you are uh, doing what I do. And so rather than stop my podcast six, seven, 77 times while trying to do a podcast and making it uncomfortable for you as a listener, I thought I would wait until I'm mostly over the issue. I'm not all the way over it. In fact, I just stopped the podcast to cough and clear my throat, but I'm not contagious. I'm back at work and I'm really glad to be back with the podcast because honestly, I struggled with whether I should continue this in 2022. Um, the audience is still good, still robust, several hundred, up like 500 people per episode. But uh, let's be upfront with you here. Uh, I've been uh, weighing an opportunity that I thought might be coming my way, and it didn't come my way. And it, as much as I told myself not to let it bug me, it really bugged me. And it took me a little bit of time to muster the enthusiasm to kind of resume my former routine. And so now I think I've had a good sound talking to myself and I'm ready to proceed forward. And I'm glad to have you guys along as we head into February of 2022, or at least head toward February of 2022. It is uh, January the 26th. This is a Wednesday edition of the We Tackle Life podcast. I'm Bruce Hooley. First time listening to it, we'll go through some of the sports. It concerns Ohio sports fans, Bengals, Ohio State, basketball and football, little Cleveland Browns, and then we'll get into the faith portion of the podcast at the end, which is something that we do as a part of every podcast. We also remind you on every podcast of our three great sponsors, the first of which is Hemisphere Coffee Roasters. Hemisphere Coffee Roasters does phenomenal work around the world by buying coffee direct from growers. Those growers then get more money than they would get if they had to deal with a government buying operative. Hemisphere pays them more. Those growers plow that money into the local economy, the local economies benefit, People benefit, real people benefit, and you benefit too because you get coffee you wouldn't otherwise have access to from Nicaragua, Thailand, Indonesia, Ethiopia, and countries around the world. You get a 15% discount when you order via HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com and use the promo code WETACKLELIFE. Use that promo code WETACKLELIFE. Get your 15% discount. K-Cups, light, medium, dark roast, whole bean, they'll roast it for you. However you want it, you can get it from Hemisphere. They also have have teas. They have chocolate made from cocoa, a cover crop. It's non-GMO, sugar-free, every free you want. It's free. (coughs) See, I told you I was going to call. It's free except it's not free. you got to pay for it, but it's free of all the stuff that people say to uh, are bad for you. So check it out, HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com, HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. All righty, let's jump right into it with the big news of the day. Baker Mayfield, Browns quarterback, is taking a break from social media. He says he is off social media for the, quote, foreseeable future. But he also posts on his Twitter that 
marketing and business inquiries should reach out to blah, 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 blah. I would love this a lot more if Baker Mayfield said he was taking a break from every single non-football and non-family activity in his life. I would love that. But he's not doing that because, of course, we got to make money if we're Baker Mayfield. I guess he's not making enough as a Browns quarterback and as a progressive huckster on TV. I'm not a fan of Baker as a leader. I think he has I think he has the uh, qualities that a quarterback needs, except he does not have a focused mind and he does not have the ability to let criticism roll off his back. And he is in that regard a bad leader of a football team and a bad steward of the role of franchise quarterback with the Cleveland Browns. So, unless we see a dramatic dramatic reshaping of his approach to life as a starting quarterback in the NFL, I don't think things are going to change much. I think he's going to be up, be down, sometimes up, sometimes down, and he's going to hold grudges, and he's going to be running emotionally hot and emotionally cold, and that to me is not a formula for sustained success as an NFL quarterback. But I do like the fact that he's taking this break from social media. Maybe it's the first step toward him becoming the kind of focus leader that he needs to be. Of course, it is glaringly obvious to Browns fans what a number one overall Heisman Trophy quarterback can be when he is focused and when he does maximize the talents around him, receiving, running back, not so much in Cincinnati offensive line, but certainly the case in Cleveland where they have an elite offensive line, because Joe Burrow is doing that as the Bengals' starting quarterback. And Joe Burrow has the Bengals in the AFC Championship game, off a thrilling playoff win over the Tennessee Titans. Evan McPherson, fantastic with the game-winning field goal. Everybody was raving about the quality of the championship games last weekend. Uh, Three of them decided on walk-off field goals by the visiting team. The fourth decided on a final play touchdown in overtime, Chiefs over Buffalo Bills. I thought the games were great as well, but I will say that I don't think that I can divorce myself from the fact that the Bills-Chiefs game never should have gotten to that. I mean, the Chiefs defense, wow. Allowing the same guy to get free time after time after time. The Bills receiving core is deep. I don't think it's as deep as the Bengals. Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, C.J. Uzama. I mean, maybe Joe Burrow can do it to the Chiefs again. He threw for 446 and four touchdowns the last time they played on January the 2nd. Bengals clinched the division with that win, 34-31. to They were down by two touchdowns three times in that game, and Burrow brought them back every single time. I just think the playoffs is a different matter of urgency, and also from a personnel standpoint, Kansas City this time will have Clyde Edwards-Elair at running back, and they did not have him the last time. And it's hard enough to deal with Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, but when you throw in a transformative playmaker at every level of the offense, and oh, by the way, Patrick Mahomes can get loose and run and hurt you on third and distance if you're playing man coverage or if you're too preoccupied with down the field coverage in zone I just think it's a tall ask for the Bengals to go into Cincinnati and win that game and it's possible they'll go in there and it will be a lopsided game because look when Joe Burrow was sacked nine times in Tennessee uh, the Chiefs have two very good pass rushers and if the Bengals offensive line doesn't get some things figured out Joe Burrow could be a sitting duck back there in the backfield so Uh, The Bengals have got a lot of things to figure out. The Chiefs have a lot of weapons. There's a reason why the Chiefs are in their, what, fourth straight AFC championship game? So uh, it is 
to me, a huge, huge ask of the Bengals to go in there and win the game. But Joe Burrow has already cemented himself in ways that Baker Mayfield has not yet with the Cleveland Browns. And Everybody in Cincinnati believes in Joe Burrow. They have no doubt that Joe Burrow is uh, the guy who knits everything together down there. They will be a contender as long as the Bengals can afford to pay Joe Mixon, Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow. They just will. Their defense is pretty good. Really hurts them. They don't have Larry Ogunjobi for this game because he makes a nice push up the middle. But I'm rooting for the Bengals, and I grew up a Browns fan. But the Bengals are a team that's easy to like, and the Browns because of, and this is my old school preferences coming to the fore, I don't like teams that talk before they have something to talk about. And the Browns did an awful lot of talking this past offseason. They did an awful lot of talking before last season. And I know there are people now saying, well, they were within a touchdown of getting the AFC Championship game last year. They can't give up on Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield had a much different year this year than last year. Yes, I know he was hurt, but still, there are reasons why, and they're all good reasons why Joe Burrow has answered questions in Cincinnati that Baker Mayfield has not answered yet. And a lot of that starts with Joe Burrow and his deno- and his dedication to football and the stature and standing and credibility and cachet that Joe Burrow has with his teammates that Baker Mayfield doesn't have because Baker Mayfield hasn't earned it. And I can't say it any more plainly than that. Baker Mayfield has not earned that. And it's totally within his power to earn that. Although once you fail to earn it, and once guys get an image of you as someone who is as concerned about your own personal issues, be it with reporters or be it with radio hosts or be it in whatever fashion, if they sense, teammates, that you're first and foremost not sold out to doing everything possible to win football games, then their belief in you wanes. And when it wanes, it's much harder to get it back after you've betrayed their trust, either in performance off the field or performance on the field, it's much harder to get it back than what you engaged in to lose it the first time. So I think that's why the only long-term fix that I see in Cleveland is that Baker Mayfield is not there. But we'll see if they'll trade him this offseason, if anybody wants him. There are other quarterbacks out there that you know are also in kind of similar unsettled situations where they are, most notably Kirk Cousins. And I say most notably Kirk Cousins, not because, you know, he's better than Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson, two other names that are reported to be available, but because Kirk Cousins is in Minnesota and that's where Kevin Stefanski was before he came to Cleveland. So that's why I mentioned Kirk Cousins, but we'll stand by and see. I wish the Bengals well. I hope they get to the game. I'm sick and tired of the Chiefs and I can't believe the Bills blew that lead. When you kick the ball off with a lead and what? 20 seconds to go in a game, 13 seconds to go in a game, kick it and make them run time off the clock on the return. And then, when the Chiefs line up to run a play from scrimmage, tackle every single guy who comes off that line of scrimmage before he gets to five yards. Because it's not pass interference if you tackle him in the first five yards. It's defensive holding. And the clock runs out, and you get one final untimed down. Let's say it took them two plays to exhaust the time on the clock. They'd get one final untimed down from the 35-yard line, and I'm not sure Patrick Mahomes can throw it all the way to the end zone, and then the Chiefs' only chance of winning that game is on a Hail Mary play. Why teams don't purpose this out ahead of time is just bad coaching and bad planning. And the Buffalo Bills, after getting that last touchdown pass from Josh Allen, should have been waltzing into the AFC Championship game. And that didn't happen, and it didn't happen because of their own dumb failures. 
all right, don't let your own dumb failure when it comes to your health insurance catch you by surprise. You go to a hospital and you find out, what do you mean this hospital's not my network? It was in my network last year. What do you mean this doctor's not in? What do you mean these benefits are not in my plan anymore? They were in my plan last year. Plans change. Doctors change plans all the time. Practices get acquired. Hospitals drop in and out of programs. The answers to whether or not you are covered like you think you are covered await you with one visit to auiinfo.com. It's all you need to do. Go to auiinfo.com, type your question into the chat. Here's my plan. Here's what I pay. Do they include the benefits that I think they include? This is what I foresee I'm going to need. And if so, then fine. You don't get any bad surprises. And if not, then they'll make a recommendation to you to give you the benefits, the plan, the copay, the doctor that you want. They don't charge you for this service. It is free. They are paid by the insurance companies that you select. AUINFO.com, a free service to you as an individual, a free service to you as a business owner. They will help you craft a questionnaire for prospective employees where you might find out that your employees want something other than health insurance, paid time off, flexible time schedule, more vacation, whatever. And that way, the benefits package works for you in two ways. You get people who want to work for you because you're speaking their love language and what they want. And B, you don't lose people because they find more attractive benefits somewhere else. So auiinfo.com can help you as an individual. They can help you as a business. They don't charge either one, individuals or business. So check them out, auiinfo.com. All right, now let's move to the Ohio State realm, starting first with football. We didn't get a chance to weigh in because of the ongoing nagging cough to post-Rose Bowl thoughts. Ohio State did a lot of changing, maneuvering, firing, hiring on its coaching staff. Uh, I'm rather amused by this, uh, not because I don't think Jim Knowles, the new defensive coordinator, is good, not because, you know, of any reason other than I remember when Kerry Combs came back to Ohio State from the Tennessee Titans, and it was greeted universally by all the publications that cover Ohio State, including the newspapers, that this was the perfect hire, and Combs is a great recruiter, and Combs is, everybody loves Kerry Combs. And then Kerry Combs uh, fell out of favor with Buckeye fans because as a coordinator, he's always uh, that coordinator, whoever it is, whether it goes back to Jim Bowman or Jim Haycock or Luke Fickle or whoever, is always scapegoated when things go south. Sometimes the head coach is, always the coordinator is. And Kerry Combs was, in my opinion, unfairly scapegoated after the loss to Oregon. I don't believe coaches get stupid from one season to the next. Not just Kerry Combs, but let's throw Al Washington in there too, the linebacker coach. Al Washington is a charismatic guy. He's an exciting guy. He's a great recruiter. But Al Washington, who Ohio State fans absolutely threw a conniption over the possibility of him leaving to become Tennessee's defensive coordinator after the 2020 season, wow, now they're just more than happy to send Al Washington off to Notre Dame and get rid of him because the linebackers didn't perform well. If the linebackers don't perform well, if the secondary doesn't perform well, if the defensive line doesn't perform well, I would look to the players before I would look to the coaches and I would look to the scheme. So Kerry Combs goes back to Cincinnati. It's a great fit for him. I think he's in a good spot to succeed Luke Fickle someday if, and you know I picked, Urban Meyer will be Luke Fickle's successor at Cincinnati if and when Luke leaves. But Combs is, I'm sure, thinking he could move into that role if he distinguishes himself after another season or two. Uh, Al Washington, if he continues to grow as a coach, 
I think the next step for him is to be a defensive coordinator and then to become a head coach. He could have been a D coordinator last year at Tennessee. He showed loyalty to Ohio State. How much loyalty did Ohio State show him? Zero. Zip nada. So Jim Knowles, new defensive coordinator. Uh, Tim Walton, former Buckeye, a guy I liked a lot when he played for Ohio State, really nice young man, uh, is in as the secondary and safeties coach. Perry Eliano is the new safeties coach. I guess you need two coaches for safeties. Walton will make 700000 Eliano will make uh, 450000 I find that weird <laughs> that a guy who also coaches the same players I do is making a quarter of a million dollars more than I am. I find that weird. Maybe Perry Aliano doesn't. I guess it's easier to not find it weird if you're making a half a mil yourself. Jim Knowles will make an all-time record $1.9 million as Ohio State's defensive coordinator. I remember standing in the atrium at the Woody Hayes Athletic Center when Gene Smith said they would never pay a coordinator a million dollars. Now they're almost paying him $2 million, and they're paying several coaches on that staff, or were, over a million dollars, including... Larry Johnson, and Stadrawa was close with uh, bonuses and stuff. Stadrawa got bounced out of here because, you know, offensive line, it wasn't up to snuff, whatever. The new offensive coach, Justin Fry, makes $800,000. Brian Hartline ought to be, uh, if not the highest-paid coach on that staff, the second-highest-paid coach on that staff because Hartline's a superstar. Did Hartline save your bacon at the Rose Bowl with the way he recruits wide receivers? I think so. So I've never understood why other – programs don't come after Brian Hartline as uh, an offensive coordinator or a Mac school doesn't come after Brian Hartline as a head coach. What in the world is Akron doing with Joe Moorhead instead of Brian Hartline? I know Joe Moorhead's coached at Mississippi State, he's coached at Penn State, he's coached at Oregon. Joe Moorhead, Joe Moorhead, Joe Moorhead. Canton Glen Oak alum Brian Hartline? Better choice. Better choice in my opinion. We'll see. Hartline will be at Ohio State and he'll continue to knock it out of the park As you can tell, I'm a big fan of Brian Hartline as an assistant football coach. I'm also a big fan of my friends at Willis Spangler Starling, my attorney firm of choice. Right now, as we speak, a colleague of mine is meeting with one of the attorneys from Willis Spangler Starling. Can't tell you why, that's a private matter, but they are setting up something that will attend to a very pressing family issue that requires some legal expertise And when I was asked, do you know of anyone who can do this? I was like, you better believe I do. I got on the phone to my friends at Willis Spangler Starling, and I said, this person has this situation. This is the situation. Can you help? Yes. And the next day, my friend is currently right there at the offices between uh, Truman, well, on Truman Boulevard, just a little bit north of Mill Run, getting that problem taken care of. Willis Spangler Starling is a phenomenal firm. They can handle anything related to family law, employment law, social security disability, this, that, the other, wills, estate planning, probate. They're great people to deal with. My friend spoke to him on the phone yesterday and later said to me, wow, are they so easy to deal with? Yes, of course they are. Willis Spangler Starling, online at willisattorneys.com, willisattorneys.com. Okay, let's transition to a little bit of Ohio State basketball. Yes, they're still playing, I know. It feels like forever since they've played. They took, what, 22 days off from December on because of their own COVID situation, Then they got their game against Nebraska canceled last Saturday because of Nebraska's COVID situation. Now Ohio State will play for the first time in nine days tomorrow night, Thursday night, at Minnesota 
at 8 p.m. Might say 7 p.m. on your schedule, but it's 8 p.m. Eastern time. And this could be a landmark game for Ohio State on two fronts. Number one, E.J. Liddell, we hope, will go over the 1,000-point mark because E.J. is only 12 points away, and if he doesn't go over the 1,000-point mark, they have no hope of winning that game. But you want him to get it in a win, and if he does get it in a win, then it will be Chris Holtman's 100th win as Ohio State's head basketball coach. So two possibilities there. However, Minnesota is among the tougher places to play in the league. It's not the toughest place to play in the league, but it's a tough place to play. It's an elevated floor. It's a barn-like atmosphere. The fans are good. If you're at least looking for a good home environment, they're good. Not good if you're a visiting team. And Ohio State is not exactly the strongest backbone, toughest team when it comes to playing on the road. Their effort at Indiana was woefully inadequate. Their, rec- their effort at Wisconsin was even more woefully inadequate. And if they come out and play deer in the headlights, soft, or as Chris Holtman likes to say, without force and physicality, then they will get housed at Wisconsin. Or excuse me, they will get housed at Minnesota. They've already been housed at Wisconsin. So let's see how it goes. But EJ, 12 points away from 1,000 for his career. And Chris Holtman, one win away from 100 for his career. <clears throat> now, to the faith portion of the podcast. All right, I alluded to this in the beginning of the podcast. I will now expound a bit on why I've been in somewhat of a funk lately. I got sick. Nobody likes to be sick. Nobody likes to cough every time they talk. So there was that, the physical challenges, and that wears on you. And I couldn't come to work, and I missed work. And then you get out of your routine, and you start to like dread going back. And, you know, honestly, I had something happen at work where I kind of felt like, something that I was uh, pretty sure uh, applied to the company that I work for, uh, I found out didn't really apply. (laughs) I'm trying to be a little bit uh, circumspect here. But something that I wanted them to take a stand on, they didn't take a stand on. Not the local market, the national um, people. And so I struggled with that. I struggle with authenticity. It's very important to me to be authentic to you. It's very important that I tell you the truth and be transparent. That's something Chris and I both pledged to do when we started this podcast. So I've been in a little bit of a funk because of that. On top of that, I had another opportunity in my life that was seemingly perfect for me. I was super excited about it. It did not materialize. And that dovetailed on top of how I felt physically. Um, Didn't help me regain my mojo. I couldn't talk to you guys, so I didn't uh, prepare a faith segment, which I hope you like the faith segment. I hope it's encouraging to you. I hope it's strengthening to you. But it's, uh, as with most things that you teach, whether it's a seminar or whether it's a Sunday school lesson or whatever, the teacher, the person who directs the conversation, always gets more out of it than those who listen to it. Because you really have to dig deep to impart what you think are helpful, um, helpful thoughts, helpful instruction. So that didn't help either. And then when you get out of that habit, it's hard to get back into that habit. So those three things have kind of added up. And I had somebody the other day ask me, how's it going? And I said, I'm, I'm endeavoring to get excited again about what I do. And that was a bit of a, that was a bit of a plus because up to that point, I hadn't even been endeavoring to get excited about it. I was just being a putz. I was just pouting and I was just struggling. 
So when I do that, I know where the right answers are. I open my Bible and I read even more and I wait for something to resonate and hit me. And this hit me today. And it is a verse from Isaiah 66, uh, chapter 66, verse 2. And it says this, This is the one I esteem, he who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. And I would love for God to esteem me, to think highly of me, not because it earns me uh, salvation. That is available only through the shed blood of Christ at the cross. But I want my faith to be authentic, and I want it to be impactful. And if it is, then I would assume God would be happy about that. So what could I do to make him satisfied with my service to him as a disciple, says here, he esteems those who are humble and contrite in spirit and tremble at my word. In other words, who are impacted by his word, who are humble and who do not think too highly of themselves. I tried not to think too highly of myself when this other opportunity was hovering out there as a possibility. Uh, But you start to fantasize about what it'll mean for your life if things happen, and and it didn't happen, and I, I pouted about it. I got a little... I was just ticked off. I told myself, don't get excited, but I got excited and it was just a little bit hard to deal with. So um, I thought a lot about this and I thought a lot about, um, you know, the things in my life that are great because one way to get yourself out of a funk is to stop thinking about the things you don't have and start realizing and expressing gratitude for the things you do have. And I'm a really blessed person. I have a wonderful family. I have awesome kids. I uh, love seeing them excel at every aspect of their life. And tonight is going to be another one of those nights in my life where the uh, degree of which I've been blessed by God is going to become very clear to me. Because tonight is senior night my oldest daughter at her uh, varsity basketball game. Um, I hearkened back in my journal to senior night for her at her soccer, uh, final home soccer game. And it was really cool to read how much um, we prayed about that night. And um, she was at that time experiencing some health issues. We wanted that to be a great experience for her had a lot of friends who showed a great amount of compassion and interest. Some of them came to the game. Some of my friends are coming to the game tonight, people who know her and and have supported her throughout her teen years. And it just showed me like, wow, look, look at all the people, God, you've put into my life as a support system. Look at all the people who care about us as a family. Look, about, look at all the people who care about her. And it made me realize uh, anew, because it's not the first time I've realized it, that the worth of our life uh, is often simplistically evaluated in terms of dollar signs or achievement or things like that. But the true worth of a life is in the way that other people invest in you, um, support you, um, advise you, encourage you. And so I want to read you what I wrote uh, about my daughter's senior soccer night. 
and the way that people responded to that, which is the same way that a lot of them will respond tonight, a lot of the same ones. And it just brought home to me um, how God doesn't leave us abandoned. Sure, this opportunity didn't come about. It's fine. Focus on what's truly important. So here's what I wrote back in October on her senior night for soccer and the way that people came to the game and the way that she played and the way that we got through that experience in a way that was just very uplifting and, um, and satisfying. I wrote, Lord, you showed us in a powerful way that people come and that people, that people care. No, I said, sorry, let me start again. Lord, you showed in a very powerful way that people care and that you care. You moved in our friends' hearts to have them serve us. They laid down their life for a day. You demonstrated your love through them. I don't understand why you will not heal this situation physically that was dogging my daughter at the time. Why do you allow things to continue to torment them that I know you have the power to heal eventually? I don't want to, but I must acknowledge that the healing may not be physical. That's the result I want, but I can't dictate to you. I and many others I've asked are praying about this, and I'm inclined to say that I'm still waiting for you to come through with the promise that you will provide a peace that surpasses all understanding. But that feels like blasphemy to say that because the peace that is promised, the peace that surpasses all understanding, is promised in Christ Jesus. And I certainly don't doubt that peace, which is the peace of knowing that I'm forgiven, that everyone in my family is forgiven, and that we're all saved by your grace. That's what you mean by the promise that your peace will surpass all understanding. I make myself God if I twist the verse to mean that what I want it to mean now in this life must happen the way I want it to happen. And then I noted Proverbs 12, 28 for emphasis, which says, in the way of righteousness, there is life. Along that path is immortality. In the way of righteousness, in the way of living life the way God calls us to live, in the way of investing in other people's lives the way they invested in my daughter's life on that senior night, in the way they'll invest in it tonight, in the way that people show you in ways that can't and don't have dollar signs attached to it, that they really and truly do care about you because they're willing to give you the most precious commodity they have, which is their love and their time. And so this is encouraging to me. Um, Ultimately, I have to make a choice. Ultimately, all people have to make a choice. We live by faith. We're saved by faith. We don't get the answer to everything. We don't get the result on everything the way we want it, when we want it, how we want it. If we did why would we need faith, (laughs) right? If I got every single material thing I want, if I got every single result in every single avenue of life that I wanted, why would I need to stay connected to God? Why would I need to reconcile the times I don't get what I want? Why would I need to ever serve anyone else? So those are the things that hit me in the aftermath of what's been a little bit of a challenging start to 2022. I hope you all will forgive me for taking some time to resume this podcast. I hope I didn't lose you as a listener. I will pledge to be more uh, faithful in doing this 
and I will uh, pledge to get over myself and get back to serving you, serving my family, and um, stewarding the platform that God's given me here and on 98.9 The Answer to the best of my abilities in service to Him. So with all that said, uh, that will do it for this edition of the We Tackle Life podcast. Don't forget to patronize our sponsors, the good people at Willis Spangler Starling, the good people at Hemisphere Coffee Roasters, the good people at auiinfo.com. You can send me an email, wetacklelife at gmail.com, wetacklelife at gmail.com. And with that, have a great Wednesday.